Hello there, I'm Brandon Juliet, the host of the Update Podcast. And if you're listening to this, you should be familiar with what I'm about to say by now, but if you're new, allow me to explain. Uh, by if you're hearing this, you should be a bit familiar with the Update's annual routine. Every once in a while, we go on a little bit of a hiatus during the summer, and I personally start growing facial hair. But, of course, I'm, hope- I'm not going to have this for very long, you know, because my wife... <laughs> and I'm looking forward to starting new episodes of the update very soon. In the meantime, however, I, we have some very special gifts for all of you. We've been doing this show long enough to, you know, get to know each other pretty well. But not a lot of people have probably heard our first episodes from way back in 2017. Well, we're gonna be, we've been rectifying that by going into our archives and playing every single episode of the update from year number one. And if you missed them, don't worry, we're gonna be recycling them again very soon. Year number four of the update was a year that really does not need any explanation. But if, in case you've had your head under a rock and were unaware of what's been going on, Year number four was a year that was dominated by COVID and the pandemic. Literally, we went from being in the WKRB studios to being on the road within the snap of your fingers and watching everything shut down around us. It was very scary at the start, but we persevered and we continued to find a way to move forward. You see, journalists, they don't fade away. They just keep coming back for more. So, enjoy enjoy year number four of the update. Excuse me. And uh, we'll be back with new episodes very soon. So, in the words of Roger Grimsby and Bill Butel, hoping that your news will be good news, I thank you very much for joining me. Good luck. Be safe. Please be well. And I'll see you with new episodes of the update soon enough down the road. From WKRB's World Headquarters in New York, this is the update with Brandon Julian. Good afternoon. This is the update with Brandon Julian for this Thursday, March the 5th. The year is 2020. I'm Brandon Julian. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot of news to get to. We are going to begin with Decision 2020. After a disappointing Super Tuesday when the U.S. Senator didn't win a single state and even finished third in her home state of Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren is dropping out of the race for president. But so far, she hasn't yet indicated who she'll endorse. You may remember Warren's campaign had all the early markers for success, the robust poll numbers, the impressive funding in a national organization. But she was squeezed out by Sanders, who had an immovable base of support among progressives that she needed to win over. And her dropping out of the race came comes, of course, the same week as former contenders, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and billionaire businessman Michael Bloomberg. All three of them have endorsed Biden. 
Meanwhile, yesterday we were talking about on the update that uh, health officials had announced a cluster of cases connected with a lawyer that's been hospitalized with the coronavirus. Well, less than uh, 24 hours, there are now 11 new cases in Westchester County and two more here in New York City. Mayor de Blasio announcing the cases on MSNBC's Morning Joe today said that the individuals are a woman in her 80s and a man in his 40s. Uh, The Westchester County cases are suspected to be from community spread. In the New York City cases, Mayor de Blasio says that his wife and his daughter are asymptomatic. The son did show symptoms, but is currently getting better. A close friend and roommate of his have also been tested out of precaution, but those results are still pending. Of course, if you have any questions regarding the coronavirus, you can call the New York State Hotline at 1-888-364-3065, where experts from the Department of Health can answer your questions. On to some of the other news of this Thursday. And the man that's accused of opening fire on an NYPD van and a police station last month, wounding an officer and a lieutenant, pleaded not guilty yesterday to attempted murder charges. Robert Williams's arraignment drew dozens of police officers and union leaders to a Bronx courthouse in solidarity with the victims of the attacks, both of whom were treated and released from hospitals. The 45-year-old Williams was arrested, of course, after police say that he ran out of bullets, laid down on the floor of the police station, and threw his pistol aside. He's been jailed since and was ordered to return to court in May. A telephone message seeking comment was left with Williams' lawyer. Federal prosecutors are saying that 81-year-old Ponzi schemer Bernard Madoff shouldn't be released early from prison even if kidney disease kills him within months. Prosecutors wrote in court papers filed late yesterday in Manhattan Federal Court that Madoff committed crimes unprecedented in scope and magnitude. They said he should not be freed even after only serving 11 years of a 150-year sentence that was imposed in 2009. Madoff's lawyers had asked that he be released early under the terms of a program that permits compassionate release for some inmates if they have less than 18 months to live. The Federal Bureau of Prisons agrees that he does have less than 18 months to live, but has denied early release. There's a nurse that's been accused of fatally stabbing her intoxicated husband in her New York apartments, and now she says that she acted in self-defense. The New York Post reported that the attorney for 44-year-old Tracy McCarter argued that his client's estranged husband was intoxicated and attacking her when she stabbed him in the shoulder back on Monday. Rothman added that his client's husband had a, quote, long history of violent behavior and alcohol abuse. Assistant DA Sarah Sullivan thinks that the prosecution's case is strong because of the nature of the case and the murder weapon that was recovered from the apartment. But Carter faces a charge of murder in the second degree. She was denied bail after the prosecution cited her as a flight risk. 
In the Manhattan federal lockup where the financier Jeffrey Epstein killed himself last year, a former correctional officer there has pleaded guilty to sexually abusing a woman. Colin Akparanta admitted yesterday that he used his authority to coerce the inmate into sex acts back in 2017. He pleaded guilty to felony counts of abusive sexual contact and deprivation of civil rights. His defense attorney tells the Associated Press that he faces more than three years in prison under federal sentencing guidelines. Akparanta agreed to pay restitution as well to half a dozen other inmates that he was accused of lock of abusing during his tenure at the lockup. And President Trump's lawyers are urging a judge to halt a lawsuit from a woman seeking Trump's DNA to help prove her claim that he raped her in the 1990s. Uh, former advice columnist E. Jean Carroll is now suing Trump for calling her a liar when she went public with her rape allegation last year. Trump's lawyers argued yesterday that her case still needs to wait until New York's highest court rules in a separate lawsuit against him. Carol's lawyers offered to hold off even on the DNA request for a time if some other evidence gathering could proceed. But Trump's attorneys have rebuffed that proposal. Time for us to step aside for a moment. When we come back on the update, we're going to talk some sports, including how the gambling industry is launching a new campaign to urge sports bettors to wager responsibly. That's coming up in just 60 seconds on the update with Brandon Julian Podcast. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Listen to us on Mixcloud to learn more about the stories that matter to you. And did you miss out on any episode of The Update? Listen to us anytime at Mixcloud.com slash the WKRB update. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking sports on this Thursday. We're going to start in Philadelphia because the 76ers all-star, Joel Embiid, now has a new nickname because of a wrong answer on Jeopardy. The Sixers all-star center was featured on the show in the first round category of current sports nicknames. The $1,000 question was, Joel Embiid in 2019 won the trademark for this nickname that also describes the 76ers' strategy of improving the team. The answer was the process. The contestant, however, guessed incorrectly, and Embiid made fun of the gaffe on social media handles and declared his new nickname was the contestant's answer. Do a 180. 
finally this afternoon, let's go down the shore to Atlantic City in New Jersey. Because the gambling industry is now launching a new campaign to urge sports bettors to wage responsibly, including setting and sticking to a budget and learning thoroughly about anything on which they make a bet. The American Gaming Association today launched its Have a Game Plan campaign in hockey arenas in Washington and Las Vegas. The campaign will soon expand to other states where sports betting is legal. Fourteen states, of course, currently offer sports betting, and many others are still considering it. The campaign is also an acknowledgement that sports betting can be problematic, or worse, for some people. In terms of today's action, the Rangers are at home taking on the Capitals tonight at 7 o'clock, and the Islanders are up in Ottawa taking on the Senators at 7.30. Let us talk some national news now on this Thursday. We will start in Washington because an $8.3 billion measure to help tackle the coronavirus outbreak should soon make its way to President Trump after a Senate vote planned for today. The money would pay for a multifaceted attack on a virus that's spreading more widely and threatening major disruptions in the U.S. and around the world. The plan was passed by the House yesterday. It would more than triple the $2.5 billion amount that was outlined by the White House 10 days ago. That proposal also was immediately discarded by members of Congress. Instead, they negotiated the increased figure in a burst of bipartisan cooperation that's increasingly rare in Washington. There's a new report that shows that social media accounts linked to Russia have begun to disrupt this year's U.S. presidential race, and it's become harder to detect the posts on platforms like Instagram. University of Wisconsin-Madison professor Young-Mi Kim notes in her study that the Russian-linked accounts have posted messages about divisive issues, such as race relations, abortions, gun laws, and immigration. The tactics, of course, are very similar to those used by the Kremlin-linked Internet Research Agency in 2016, which polluted American voters' social media feeds to sway the presidential election. Kim says that the Instagram accounts spreading the disinformation have only grown more sophisticated since then. In Milwaukee, their police chief now says that he believes that mental health issues are like the, are the likely reason a man killed five co-workers last week at a sprawling brewery complex in his city. Chief Alfonso Morales told WTMJ Radio yesterday that he doesn't believe that racial issues led 51-year-old Anthony Farrell to carry out the attack. Farrell was black and four of the victims were white, and the fifth was Latino. Morales' remarks came after Molson Coors confirmed that a noose had been placed on Farrell's locker five years ago. The chief says that Farrell had been friendly with at least some of the victims. He says that the investigation could take several more weeks. And finally, in Los Angeles, uh, the real estate heir, Robert Durst, has never been charged in the 1982 New York disappearance of his wife, who was later declared dead. Yet yesterday, in an L.A. courtroom, a prosecutor repeatedly told a jury that he killed her. Durst, of course, is only charged with murder in the 2000 of his friend Susan Berman, but prosecutors are allowed to present evidence that he also killed wife Katie uh, 19 years earlier. 
They allege that Durst shot Berman because he was about she was about to talk to the NYPD about the death of Kathy Durst. Robert Durst had told her that he killed. In your honorable mention uh, today, apparently it was all just a lie. Uh, a woman who spent two years watering a succulent she said that she was so proud of recently learned that it was a fake. Kathy Wilkes shared the funny story on Facebook, which has soon gone viral. Uh, she said that she found out the plant was fake while trying to move it into a new vase. Uh, the succulent was plastic and sat on styrofoam with sand glued at the top. Ever since she published the story on Facebook, it has been shared thousands of times and even got the attention of Home Depot, which was quick to send her a real succulent. The plant was originally a gift from the father of Wilkes' children, who also thought it was real. <laughs> it's very interesting indeed. Our thought for today is for from Sir Rex Harrison, British actor. Our thought for today is, tomorrow is a thief of pleasure. Uh, Harrison was born in 1908 and died in 1990. That is the update on this uh, Thursday, uh, March the 5th, the year is 2020. I'm Brandon Jill. We appreciate you joining us, hoping that your news is good news. Tomorrow, we are over at the IBS Radio Conference for tomorrow's edition of the update. Uh, of course, we'll be back live in studio Monday at 11.30 in the morning, only on 90.3 WKRB and on WKRB.org. So until then, hope your news is good news. Have a pleasant rest of your day. See you tomorrow over at the IBS Conference.